first to admit, you know, until recently, my bike cost more than my car. And that, that's where the bike industry is funny because that passion thing really gets in the way of business a whole lot. My goal is to make passion and business uh, 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 line up and usually passion wins out. But I have, you know, had to separate it out and, you know, kind of internalize, uh, compartmentalize, I suppose, that joy of riding bikes and jumping off a big old jump and, you know, getting that big adrenaline rush to, to, you know, maybe I shouldn't go up that big of a jump. I got a lot of work to do and I better not crash. This is the ProCo 360 podcast with stories and lessons from Colorado's world-class entrepreneurs. I'm Dave Tabor. My guests and my listeners love Colorado. We crave knowing more about Colorado's unique and amazingly successful businesses. Thanks to listeners, and I appreciate those outside of Colorado too. Proco 360 is Westward Reader's best Denver podcast and a top 15 Colorado podcast on Feedspot. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Adam Miller, founder and owner of Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles in Carbondale, Colorado. Rebel Bikes creates the most advanced, full suspension bikes in the world with an unbelievable lifetime warranty. The sister company Y Cycles takes the same high-end approach, building top-of-the-line hardtail bikes. Revel and Y Bikes sell for $5,000 to $10,000, so Adam and I will be discussing how to differentiate as a niche player in the high end of a specialty sporting goods market. We'll also talk about how Adam runs the company, including engineering, sourcing his product, marketing and competing. So Adam, I've been super excited for our interview, especially now that I've ridden the Revel Rascal bike. Thanks for hooking me up for a great demo at your Carbondale headquarters. And thanks for joining me via Zoom as a guest on Proco 360. Thanks a lot, Dave. Glad you got to uh, ride that bike and I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And let's start with a quick overview, your take on Revel bikes and Y-cycles. Yeah, so I launched uh, Rebel Bikes. We just started selling Rebel products uh, March 1 of 2019, so just over one year ago. I started Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles at the same time in 2016 in Ogden, Utah. We started selling Y products shortly thereafter. during that time, we were developing all the, the Rebel products. That took about three and a half years. And then in 2017, I moved back to Colorado. I'd gone to school out here and always wanted to live in a small mountain town and figured uh, no town like the present. So in 2017, moved Y-Cycles with myself and two employees to Carbondale, Colorado. Now it's myself and 14 employees with several open job uh, positions. And uh, wow. we're cranking along out here right now. So are these open job positions like for bike nerds who just want to put together really cool bikes or are there other kinds of jobs? We, we have all sorts of jobs. Honestly, I, I feel very, very lucky. Our business has been incredibly successful um, in general, but especially the last few months, co- we're one of the lucky few businesses where COVID has actually kind of helped us. I think people have realized they can ride bikes, even if they can't go to a crowded uh, restaurant or bar, maybe yeah. uh, it's a good activity during COVID. So we have jobs in really every part of the business that are open. Yeah, it was amazing when I was in Carbondale uh, to go to your headquarters and ride your bike. Um, the amount of bicycle activity in the area is amazing. Hey, um, talk about your niche. I mean, what is, as you see it, the high-end niche of bikes? Especially yeah, now. we sell, yeah, we sell very high-end mountain bikes for both the Y-Cycles and the Rebel Bikes brand. Uh, a lot of people, if you're not into bikes, you hear, wow, the bikes sell for 5000 to $10,000. That's so much money. And it totally is. I'm the first to admit, you know, until recently, my bike costs more than my car. Um, once you're in the bike world in this high-end niche um, within a niche of, of outdoor equipment, 
$5,000, uh, we actually, we get complimented a lot for having a very good value. Our bikes are actually priced lower than a lot of similar comparable bikes. Um, but it's an interesting world. It's just like golf or high end yachts or, you know, people get really into sports cars. Uh, it's a hobby as much as it is a, a sport and a lifestyle and the community of, of, of mountain bikers, especially it's just growing and growing. Uh, and it's a really neat place to be in. So why did you have to start two brands at once? Why couldn't you have one brand with full suspension and hardtail bikes in them? Yeah, that's an excellent question. One I ask myself fairly often <laughs> as well as I, as I try manage two websites and two phones and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I, before this, I, I had a different company. My first company I started was called Borealis Fat Bikes, and uh, it was based in Colorado Springs. We uh, sold uh, carbon fat bikes for riding on snow. Then I started Y Cycles, um, which is very niche, uh, high-end titanium mountain bikes and gravel bikes. Rebel bikes is high-end carbon full suspension bikes. So within the niche of high-end bikes in general, there's several subsets. And yeah. generally, the consumer that maybe rides a road bike or gravel bike made out of titanium is a different customer than someone who wants to wear a Red Bull hat or Red Bull helmet and, you know, huck off 60 foot, um, uh, gap jumps and do a backflip on their bike. So rebel bikes is a little more of the shreddy aggressive yeah. modern bike, whereas Y cycles is kind of unique niche hardtail and gravel bikes. That that makes sense. Sense. So kind of like people must ask you just the way they ask parents, like which of your children do you love more? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an excellent question. And I don't have a good answer for, for, for that one. Why cycles is much smaller. I started it because I'm a total bike geek. It's kind of my creative outlet. Um, it's, it was never intended to be this massive big company. The nature of the product is that it's always going to be fairly unique and small, although it's exceeded my projections by quite a bit. And, and it's really we've shipped those bikes to about 30 countries all over the world. Uh, but Y cycles is small, artistic, handmade rebel bikes is much more mainstream. It's the stand, you know, you'd walk into any bike shop in Denver that sells mountain bikes and you could see 10 rebels on the floor next to Yetis or Santa Cruz or specialized. So yeah. they're very different, which I prefer because I get my creative outlet and my more, uh, just, just different, just different brands. So what if your children makes you a bunch of money? The other one's more gratifying. Is that what you're saying? Well, it, they're both very gratifying, <laughs> but, in, but in very, in very different ways. Unfortunately, I do need to uh, pay my mortgage uh, <laughs> as well. Just for scale, uh, give us, give listeners a sense of scale for your bike companies, just so we kind of see where you fit in. Yeah, we're, we're very, I mean, we're Rebel's only a year old, so we're still a relatively small company. It's, it's 14 of us right now in a warehouse here in Carbondale. Uh, that being said, I think we're pretty quickly um, approaching that with Rebel, that mainstream um, high-end bike to compete with the likes of Santa Cruz and Yeti and, and Ibis um, and some of those awesome bike companies out there. So we ship in the thousands of units per year. Uh, Rebel bikes is about 70%, Y is about 30% of our overall volume. Um, and it sure keeps us busy. <laughs> yeah. So you said you had a company before you started, and I, I heard a prior interview you did, and it, it ended kind of ugly. Uh, but you got some lessons from that. One of the things you'd mentioned is um, one of the big lessons had to do with uh, how to choose a partner philosophically. What's your take on that? Huh. I, I did. I, my first company I started while I was in college at Colorado College in Colorado Springs. Uh, it was meant to be a hobby. It grew to a really big company, uh, several million dollars a year in revenue. I ended up selling it to my 50% uh, business partner who helped fund the company because we just saw things a little bit differently. So I learned a whole lot. With that, my one of the biggest things with starting Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles was that I was always going to maintain majority ownership. I do now have three other owners in the company, um, but I do still maintain majority ownership stake, and th and that helps. You know, at the end of the day, um, it, it, it's 
I don't act like I have the majority ownership stake, but it sure does help if I ever need to. And luckily right now we have a fantastic group of people. Uh, we all really see eye to eye. We're all bike nerds at heart before we're business nerds. Uh, with a product like this, in order to sell and compete at that high level of bikes with companies that you know sell a billion dollars a year of, of mountain bike products, uh, or bike products, I should say, yeah. we have to have the passion and care about the product we make. And that's the number one most important thing with any you know business partner or employee yeah. or, or anybody that's involved with the business is to understand and appreciate and be part of that passionate group of mountain bikers. And with that, I think we can make more money too. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's I think that proves itself out, especially when you're in a niche, really a high-end niche market. Uh, customers want to know you're passionate too, um, in particular. Absolutely. You want to you you demonstrated your passion too because I when you after you sold your first business and didn't make much money at it, and I can relate, I've done that too. Uh, <laughs> but you went to work at a bike shop just turning wrenches, right? So talk about that experience getting regrounded. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was 14 years old, the first job I got was in a bike shop. When I was 11 years old, I started this kind of my personal business, buying and selling used bikes on, on eBay uh, and making some money, taking them apart and selling individual parts. I've been a bike nerd since I was a little kid, but I've also been kind of a business nerd. So I, I did have a rough experience with a, you know, a bad business partnership breakup um, in 2015 when I sold Borealis. Uh, but it honestly, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I got a whole lot more than a standard, uh, you know, grad school education. I yeah. think dur during all that, um, and I did get 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 bought out, so I could use that money to start these other businesses. But yeah, a week after that, I was kind of going through this whole. I just been you know involved with lawyers and all sorts of not fun stuff for a long time while I was you know 21 years old um, in college still and. I just, for about a week after that whole thing, I just thought there's no way I'm ever doing bike stuff again. And, you know, this is too stressful. And a, not even a week later, I thought, you know, I think I'm pretty good at this stuff. So I ended up getting a job in a bike shop in Denver, uh, Pedal of Littleton, fantastic place. Uh, they were nice enough to hire me and kind of, you know, help me figure out why I love bikes again and working on bikes and seeing customers smile. I mean, we're selling fun. People come in and they buy a product that they get to go have fun on. And to me, that's really pretty cool. So that was a great experience for me. So that kind of re-jazzed you about the industry? Yeah. And it didn't take too long for me to kind of get, get, get a few ideas in my brain. And I knew I wanted to make full suspension carbon bikes because that's the bikes I like to ride most. And I knew I wanted to kind of also do this artistic handmade titanium thing because that's this fun creative outlet in a, a very different kind of creative sense than, than the more mass-produced rebel bikes. And so I just decided I'm going to do both. And I... Ooh made it happen. Well, all right. So now let's get into some of the business about how you do this, because, you know, there are a lot of people who are passionate about stuff um, and then they want to start a business. Creating bikes is a big deal. I mean, there are things you had to deal with around functionality, around beauty. Let's talk about both. I mean, maybe the process of building a bike, creating a bike in a minute or less. I mean, what do you do to, to get that thing going? Yeah, so I'll, I'll focus on Rebel Bikes here because that has a little bit more to it um, when it comes to building the bike. So I, I start with an idea. I know I want a bike to do this sort of riding. Let's just say I want to go to Snowmass and ride chairlifts or Winter Park and ride chairlifts and go off jumps, but also be able to pedal uphill. So it's a full suspension bike. We're making it out of carbon because that's the best material for those kind of bikes. And I it basically, I figured out how to get a team of people that are a whole lot smarter than me with each individual aspect of that. So I kind of sketch it out. I get the idea of what I want and different, you know, particular things. And then I work with a industrial designer 
um, to make it look pretty, a mechanical engineer. And that's now Jeremiah Starkey, who's our COO and my main business partner, who is incredible and extremely good at making good bikes and helping run this business incredibly well. Uh, so industrial designer to make things look good, mechanical engineer to make things function properly. Um, the carbon development guy. So I had Jason Shears, the founder of Envy, came over to Asia with me to help with actual carbon layup. Um, and then, uh, and then artistic stuff, graphics, because everyone likes bike to look good too. So really the kind of four people. Oh, and then of course, kinematics, that's the suspension design. So Chris Canfield is the guy I work with there. He developed a really good patent. We kind of worked with him to tweak that and make it uh, specific to our bikes. So four or five people on a team, each person kind of has their individual spot and that's how we do it. The model for Revel and for Y is that you sort of engineer it, you, you conceptualize it, you engineer it, then you, you have other companies from which you're sourcing the various products to go, then, then you bring it back and assemble. Is that accurate? Yep. Yeah. So like a lot of uh, uh, bike companies and based in the U.S. or really anywhere in the world, uh, we develop it, we engineer it, and then we uh, work with a factory in Asia to manufacture that frame. Uh, we bring the frame in and then we bring in the other 28 components from tires and wheels and derailleurs and shifters and bolts uh, into Carbondale. And we assemble everything here in Carbondale. And you've got, I know you work, you mentioned Canfield. Um, they've got a very special suspension system, which makes Rebel unique. Is that right? Correct. Yes. And so why would they want to license it to you and only Rebel when you're just doing hundreds or thousands of bikes? Why wouldn't they want to license it to Specialized or somebody like that? Well, I think that that's a great question. And that, that's where the bike industry is funny because that passion thing really gets in the way of business a whole lot. My goal is to make passion and business uh, 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 line up and usually passion wins out. But uh, Chris Canfield, who one of the Canfield brothers, he developed the CBF suspension patent. And it really is game changing. It's the best, it's the best suspension system for a mountain bike. There's really about four other main systems that you'll see on other brands of products out there. And I feel very lucky we're the only brand using uh, CBF. Uh, I rode it in a parking lot at a trade show about five, six years ago now in a hundred yards on the trail. I thought this is the best thing ever. I need to wow. use the system and make the spike out of it. And I talked to Chris and he said, you know, hell yeah, let's make it happen. Uh, Chris is a fantastic guy. If you ever get a chance to have a beer with Chris Canfield, you should. Um, incredibly talented uh, professional downhill racer. He won Masters uh, World Cup um, downhill last year. Uh I like Chris because he likes bikes um, <laughs> at least as much as I do. And so yeah. when we started talking, he knew that working with Revel, I think was a good way to get his baby, his suspension system. That's better than other stuff out there to the world. Um, so he's planning on growing with you, I suppose then, right? That's, that's the goal for all of us. Yep. <laughs> Listeners. This is Proco 360 named best Denver podcast three years running. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And this is the show featuring entrepreneurs. You can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Adam Miller of Rebel Bikes and Y Cycles. Thanks to our sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, the law firm of Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, Microstar Keg Logistics, and Total Coaching Systems. These great companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs, and they support this show. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. Uh, you know, so we just talked a lot about the mechanics, uh, the engineering piece. Uh, I was struck by the beauty of the bike I demoed. It had this like this shiny part and then this matte finish of the same blue color. Beautiful. So, I mean, what role does paint and design play <laughs> in sales and even how a bike feels to ride? 
Yeah, that's well, thank you. First of all, I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, I worked on these bikes for almost four years before we released them to the world. So it's only been just over a year of people riding the bikes and saying, oh, they really liked it. And it doesn't get remotely all to me. It's the coolest compliment I could I could imagine. Yeah, um, yeah I, I again, I'm a total bike nerd. So things like let's not just make the whole bike a gloss finish or a matte finish. Let's do half gloss and half matte. I, our paint factory uh, complains every time. And I, t I tell them every time that it's, it's worth it for all the extra work. The bikes look really cool and they stand out. Uh, I, I think... Um, I'm a little bit of an, I don't know, I get a bit creative. So I, I do like the artistic side of things. To me, it's similar to, you know, we're selling $10,000 mountain bikes. That's like buying a Ferrari or a Lamborghini within the bike world. They have to look good. It, no one really wants to buy a Lamborghini just because it goes zero to 60 really fast. They want to buy it because it's, feels awesome and it makes a cool noise and it looks sweet. People drive by and they look at it and say, wow, that's a cool car you're driving. I like to keep that mentality with the bikes and it's worth investing some extra time and effort. And it's the fun part. When I get to choose new colors, that's a really fun part of the development process. <laughs> that's, that makes, I mean, I also saw like on the Y, on the Y cycles website, there's a build gallery and it shows all the bikes you build. It's kind of like bike porn, really. Totally. Yeah. We just put like, whenever we build a really high end bike, we'll take a pro photo and put it on the website. And it's just fun. Like, you know, bikes are for exercise and for exploring and seeing nature, but they're also just for fun. Um, so if you're going to have fun, you might as well get something really nice and make it look good. Well, I, I think that's true. I've, I've teased a lot of uh, sporting goods manufacturers, like um, people who make like high end clothing and stuff, Gore-Tex. And I wonder, you know, like what percentage of that actually ever even gets wet? The whole point is like people want to, there's like this sense of identity that people get when they have a high-end um, hobby avocation kind of product. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think it's probably more than even I would like to admit that the paint color and, and, and the looks matter because, you know, we spend 95% of our marketing budget or of our, on our, our R&D budget on the actual product development and mechanical engineering and tolerances and going back and forth to the factory. I mean, I've, I got more miles in Delta than I know what to do with because I spent so much time in Asia. Um, and Jeremiah Starkey is this massive, you know, expert on this stuff with 30 years of experience. We spent all this money and time and effort trying to make the bikes function well, and they do. And then this little last little bit, I figure out, you know, colors and whatnot. And yet I think that's probably, <laughs> probably a lot more important than, than, than we all like to think. You know, like your, your, your comparison to the Lamborghini or Ferrari, whatever it was, is like, you know, I bet your bike's, are more fun to ride because they look great. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know bikes what you are fun. Engineering team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't tell them that. <laughs> so let's talk about you. You started mentioning marketing and selling. I mean, you're definitely trying to reach enthusiasts. You're selling to enthusiasts. So, is there a a path you've chosen? Because as a small company, you have to do that pretty carefully. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it that we sell, our, you know, our entry-level bike is $49.99. It's $5,000. Um, we're definitely selling to the enthusiast. That being said, I, I think, you know, we're really, one of my goals is to not, is to be a much more inclusive company um, with our marketing and our messaging and who rides our bikes. I've personally, my life is what it is because of bikes. As a little kid, I started, you know, my parents put me in a little kid's bike program when I was 10. And, and then I went to Colorado college because of mountain biking. Cause I, you know, Colorado is the Mecca for mountain bikes. And the first six months of being at school, I got to travel all over the state and see new places to race and whatnot. And so my goal is that every single person can share that experience and get a bike and be able to see more of the world and, you know, feel good and exercise and challenge themselves. So we're really trying to be inclusive. We sell high-end bikes, but that doesn't mean just because you're not a high-end biker, you can't have one. Um, it's a good bike for people to grow into. 
you know, if you've been biking for a little bit, you know, spend a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars on a on a bike from you know REI or Sports Authority, and then once you realize after a year you like it, which everybody does, time to upgrade to something that you're going to be you know a little more comfortable on and have some more fun on. There's no reason if you can to not get a really nice bike. So we try to just be inclusive. We're not intimidating. We're not super bro. We just want everyone to ride our bikes and have a good time. That's cool. You know, when I, when I did my demo, I, I did have a good time and I want to thank Matt. I'll give him a shout out. He set me up really awesome. nicely at your place. Um, but he made a funny comment. He said he switched to Revel. He'd been working in a bike shop. He switched to Revel because he wanted to really have a career in the industry. But now that he's got a career in the industry, he doesn't have as much time to ride his bike. So <laughs> how does that all work? That's a common, a common problem. I would say, um, you know, we're, we're, it's a fairly seasonal business, although as we grow and we get you know, an Australia distributor and a New Zealand distributor and, and Spain, you know, countries that are kind of opposite seasons, it's becoming less and less seasonal in a very yeah. short amount of time, which is fantastic for business. Um, but it does cut down on my ski time in the winter too. Uh, we're, we're crazy busy here. That being said, we do uh, tomorrow's Tuesday. So every Tuesday we shut down the office at two o'clock. Um, as a company, we pay forever and have a season pass at Snowmass for Lister mountain biking. And they have a, a $5 entry fee downhill bike race every Tuesday night. So we, we shut down on Tuesday and we go do that. Um, one of our guys won the overall last year and he's definitely in top place so far this year. So we try to do as much as we can to do, you know, lunch rides every day. Every single high-end bike company says it. They're like, oh, we're a company full of bike riders and we ride bikes every day. But we really do. Every single person in here is a pretty diehard biker. So it is challenging though, you know, when you're in the middle of the busy sales season, sometimes we have to work a whole lot more than 40 hours a week. So cuts yeah. down on bike time. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was reflecting in your background. I mean, even as a kid, you worked pretty hard, you know, scraping together bike parts, or uh, I think you did some, some construction kind of work or other kinds of labor to, to be able to yep. buy bikes and things like that. I mean, you, you developed a work ethic as a kid. Are you seeing that payoff now? And are you seeing it from the people that you're trying to bring on board? Cause it's hard. Yeah. You know, that's, um, I never really thought it was a work ethic because I liked bikes. I wanted to figure out how I can paint all the decks in the neighborhoods, have enough money to buy a new bike. That didn't seem like work to me. That was just a way to get on a bike and have a good time. Um, I was very lucky with, um, you know, uh, two parents who were fantastic. Mom and dad helped, helped a whole lot and helped kind of teach me that work ethic and said, yeah, we'll help you get a bike, but we're not paying for all that. You better figure it out, you know? Um, and, and at the time I might've been upset, but looking back on it, I'm very thankful for all that. And they were quite supportive as I started um these, these few businesses. So yeah, I mean, it, I feel very lucky. My work most of the time doesn't feel like work. It's still, yeah. it, it still yeah. works sometimes, you know, I spend a lot of time with accountants and lawyers and all that good stuff. But yeah. at the end of the day, everything we're doing is to get more people riding bikes. And I mean, stuff. at some point, 80 hours a week starts to feel like work. It, it certainly does. And what's been really neat just the last, you know, really the last six months as we've grown and, and really established ourselves, we won, we actually won outside magazine, best mountain bike of the year. Wow. Congratulations. And, of, of any mountain bike, the Rebel Rascal won that one. And, and that was kind of a big turning point, but we've kind of, in a very short amount of time, we're a main player in the mountain bike world. We're much, much smaller than a lot of those companies still. Um, but with that, it's shifted from me kind of pleading to hire people. Hey, can you please can work for me to we get 10 or 20 resumes a day now. Um, and with that, we've been able to, you know, we can hire the right people. We can try to make it so we all work closer to 40 hours a week. Um, not quite there yet, but trying yeah. to be more reasonable so we can maintain yeah. that work-life balance. 
I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Adam Miller of Revel Bikes and Y Cycles. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. Please don't forget to rate Proco360 in your app when you finish this episode. It helps a ton. So we're talking about, Adam, you were talking about uh, growth and size. How big do you want to get? Um, what's a reasonable way to look at that? Yeah, that's a, that's a question I ask myself a whole lot too. I don't think I have a great answer. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs start with all these goals of how much money they want to make or size or, or whatever. And, and I've never really done that. I just want to make the best mountain bikes in the world, which might sound a little cliche, but, it, but it's, it's really the, my, my driving force. Um, and, and I want to, I want to have a lot of fun while I'm doing it. And so I think to have fun, you know, I want to, we, we want to grow from here. We are growing a little, uh, you know, very quickly right now. Um, I just want to keep on having fun. So I think that might mean, you know, maybe we get to 30, 40, 50 employees at some point. Uh, the company is based in Carbondale, Colorado, which a lot of people told me when I was moving here, you know, why in the hell would you ever move a business to a town of 6,000 people, not, you know, Denver or Salt Lake City or something like that. Uh, and that's a total lifestyle thing. I want to live where I can have incredible trails out my back door. The lunch rides here are great. So I want to maintain that and keep making the best bikes in the world. And, and maybe that's a little bit of a have your cake and eat it too, but I, I think we can do it. That's cool. Uh, you know, as you, as you face, you know, what you've done now is, is start a business. Now you're starting, you've gotten traction fast. Um, I was about to make some kind of weird pun about traction, tire pressure, whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, what, what challenges are the toughest right now where you are at this, you know, you could almost grow as fast as you want. Yeah. You know, I think the the very initial first thing is, oh, supply chain delays because of COVID. And, and every single business right now is going to tell you COVID's done something and COVID's been, you know, it's been awful for, you know, obviously people's health and everything um, and other businesses. I, I do feel very lucky there. Um, so supply chain is, of course, a big issue right now. And we're actually doing pretty good, really. We've just seen a huge uptick in demand, which is kind of the main reason right now we have a lot of delays when someone wants to order a bike. We're taking $100 deposits to hold a spot in line and ship them in a few weeks or so. Um, but the biggest issue I, I, I see right now is just simply that work-life balance. We have growing a lot very quickly. Um, I experienced that with Borealis, my first business as well, and kind of took a lot of lessons away from that. It's not always good to grow super fast. We've actually purposely, we say no, we, we have uh, bike shops reach out to us, you know, daily, several times a day, we have to tell bike shops, sorry, we can't sign you up right now. We don't, we don't think we'll do a good enough job selling you products that you can then sell to your customers until we are able to ramp up successfully. So it, it, it we're so busy that I'm trying to maintain that work-life balance for myself and for everybody here. So in order to do that, we're working on how to say no, which for me is very hard. I've kind of been a business, you know, entrepreneur person my whole life, and it's hard to turn things down. But I think long-term, it's the right move to do everything cautiously and properly to make sure we can have the best products, have the best customer service. Well, you know, there's, there's, always that, there's always that risk though of going too slow. One is that, the copycats dig in and get traction, right? They like, well, Revel can't keep up. There must be, you know, specialized or track or anybody else must say, wow, you know, this is a great opportunity for us. Totally. And, you know, I'm not that worried about that because I think most bike companies are similar to us. I do think we're, you know, kind of, we, we have a lot of demand because, you know, 
COVID has been a, a good thing for, for the outdoor industry and bike specifically. Um, but we did, you know, we've won a few big awards. The best bike of the year in outside magazine was massive. Pink bike gave our bikes glowing reviews. They have, you know, millions of page views every day. Um, we're kind of a hot brand in a hot bike market right now. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a double whammy, but a lot of bike companies are just as delayed, if not more so than, than yeah. we are in terms of new customers coming in because we're small, we were actually able to work with our suppliers to, to, um, increase our supply fairly successfully and quickly um, just because we're kind of a small nimble company. So I do feel like we're in a pretty good position there. That's cool. All right. La- I want to shift to the la- last few questions as kind of a wrapping up phase here, but for a lot of entrepreneurs who want to turn their passion into a business, what key insights have you discovered about turning your passion into a company, a real business? That's you know, I don't want to say that's been much of a challenge, but it's been a little bit of a challenge at times. I think the biggest thing I'd say is you have to make sure it's your passion. Uh, for me, when I went through kind of a hard time with my first company, when I when I was sort of forced to sell it, for it was only a week, but it was a week where I was like, ah, you know, screw bikes. I'm not riding bikes. I'm not doing, you know, I'm not working on bikes. It only lasted a week. And I thought, you know what? I really freaking like bikes. So I guess for me, I know bikes are my passion. I have so much fun riding so many different kinds of bikes. It's my escape. It's, it's, it's freedom. It's, you know, it's from a little kid till now it's, you know, you're having a bad day, you get on your bike and go for an hour ride and you feel better. If you know it's your passion, you can make it work. Um, but I have, you know, had to separate it out and, you know, kind of internalize, uh, compartmentalize, I suppose that joy of riding bikes and jumping off a big old jump and, you know, getting that big adrenaline rush to, to, you know, maybe I shouldn't go off that big of a jump. I got a lot of work to do and I better not crash. Um, it's just kind of compartmentalizing those things and separating out this is work stuff and this is play stuff. Um, and they do, you know, intermingle quite a bit. So I do feel very lucky that my work can also be very fun. Um, Hey, keeping focused on the theme of the Proco 360 podcast, which is world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. How do you feel being in Colorado has played a role? I know you've enjoyed it personally, but how's it played a role for Revel and why? It's been incredible. I I, uh, grew up in Alaska. I went to school at Colorado College. I fell in love with Colorado about the first few days I lived here. Uh, I ended up moving to Utah for just a couple of years and then had to come back. I really missed Colorado. I found Carbondale just driving through one day and I drove through and thought, man, this would be a cool place for a business. Um, so I packed up and, you know, 12 trips with the van and trailer later, I got everything, everything moving to a warehouse here. Uh, I absolutely love it. it. It's got a really neat culture of that work-life balance. Carbondale is an interesting place here in the Roaring Fork Valley um, where there's as much hard work, uh, you know, drive for success as there is let's float the river and drink beers after work and go fishing at lunchtime um, and go hit world-class trails. So I think the culture is really, really good. And for me personally, and I think for most of our employees, it really helps breed this sense of let's work hard and make cool products, but let's also enjoy them. Uh, we did just win the Colorado OEDIT um, Advanced Manufacturing Grant. We won $250,000 from the state of Colorado. So that's like a really, really big cherry on top of a place that I already really like. Uh, so I can be happier. Colorado's fantastic living in a small town in the mountains. it it couldn't be any better. That's cool. Your your industry, just like you have um, with the suspension and other technologies, I mean, everything continues to evolve. What trends do you see that like you're watching out for in five years? Yeah, we actually, we just started selling a Revel wheels, kind of a third brand within the Revel bikes, bicycles. Um, You got the frame, uh, you sell frames individually, right? And then the wheels? 
Correct. Yeah, the wheels are the the new new part, and that's actually we partnered with a company called CSS Composites out of Utah, um, and they developed this new sort of uh, uh, composite material called Fusion Fiber. Uh, and so we started making wheels. Uh, we partnered with them to make those wheels, and it's the first one hundred percent recyclable composite material really used in the outdoor industry. We already have a full recycling system set up. We came out with a tire lever. It's actually our first product we made to show that these wheels and scrap material from the wheels could be recycled. So I think materials are one of the biggest things that we're going to see in the next five years start to change. Carbon fiber as is, is incredible, uh, but figuring out how to make it in a more environmentally friendly way um, and actually a more stable production, higher quality, much better um, impact resistance and strength. Uh, we're kind of, we're the first company to come out with this fusion fiber wheel uh, and we want to keep making parts out of that. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I think materials are going to be the big thing. Cool. Suspension technology, geometry, and whatnot is really good, and we're going to keep on working to improve that as best we can, but I think we can do even more with the material. Yeah, so um, how are you doing in balancing your personal life and your work life? Well, I went on my first vacation. Uh, I got back a week ago, uh, first vacation in several years where I was unplugged for five straight days in a row, and that was a pretty big deal. I went back to Alaska with my girlfriend. We uh, went fishing, saw a bunch of bears. It was, it was fantastic. So I'm getting a whole lot better. That was a big, a big step in the right direction. <laughs> wow. Well, let's wrap up on that happy note that you got your first vacation. in years. <laughs> so thanks to customers who uh, helped pay for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it was a budget trip. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up. This is Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Adam Miller of Revel Bikes and Y Cycles. Adam, thanks. Uh, appreciate having you on the show. Thanks a lot, Dave. That's great. Uh, I want to give a quick thanks too again to Matt at Revel for setting up my demo and to Andrea Stewart at the Carbondale Chamber. She's the one who actually introduced us, Adam. So that She's was awesome. Cool. Yeah. And I asked her, what cool company should I know about in Carbondale? So <laughs> there you have it. Listeners, thanks for joining me on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, Community Banks of Colorado, Holland and Hart, Kinsley Meetings, MicroStar Keg Logistics, Total Coaching Systems, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado. Thank you.